Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Russell Life Radio. This is episode 81, and I'm your host for this evening, Kyle Polly, And I'm here with uh, nobody. It's just me. Uh, Micah is sick, and Matt is playing Dungeons and Dragons or something. I don't know. But I'm flying the ship solo again because apparently I'm the only person who's committed to this thing. So I'm reviewing Raw and SmackDown for this week. So that is the previous week's SmackDown, obviously, because it's not Friday yet. And then Raw that happened on Monday. So interesting week. Um, several things happened. So basically, we'll I'll just go ahead and start with the SmackDown review. Um, this is labeled as Super SmackDown. Obviously, uh, this is the first SmackDown coming out of the Royal Rumble. So this is all about the fallout that happened. Uh, like I said, it's titled Super SmackDown because this is... Obviously, the Super Bowl happened on Sunday, so the Super Bowl was on Fox. SmackDown was on Fox. They wanted to call it Super SmackDown. I guess that's the only reason they needed. Uh, it wasn't very super compared to any other SmackDown, but they called it Super SmackDown, so let's just go with it. Basically, the show opened with Roman Reigns and Usos making their way down the ring. Pretty happy, had some smiles on their faces. They got in the ring, and Roman was quick to point out that he indeed defeated King Corbin, that dastardly King Corbin at the Royal Rumble. He said that was a good news, but there was some bad news. And he, he couldn't quite get it out, but the Usos helped him out. And they said, you, you lost in the Rumble, dude. You lost in the Rumble. He's like, yeah, 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 I lost in the Rumble. I didn't win the match. So he was hesitant to admit that. And then all of a sudden, Corbin, Ziggler, and Bobbert Roode all come out, interrupting them, of course. Corbin says it rains only one because the Usos got involved at the Royal Rumble and even blamed their interference for costing him a chance to win the Royal Rumble itself. And the Usos just pretty much laughed at him and mocked him. But then Corbin was quick to turn it on them and say, basically reminded them that they're embarrassing their family uh, by being out for so long. Obviously making a reference to them being out from the DUIRS. Uh, not in storyline, but they had DUIRS. So Corbin, he tries to get the W here. He replays the footage of Roman Reigns getting covered in dog food a couple weeks ago. But Roman's just like, dude, it's old news. Who cares? He doesn't care one bit. He he actually accuses Corbin of having a dog food fetish because he keeps showing the footage. Uh, basically, Reigns, he's sitting there and he's thinking, he's like, you know what? I got an idea. We have a six-man tag. It's already scheduled for tonight. Obviously, the main event's going to be Roman Reigns and the Usos versus King Corbin, Ziggler, and Bobbert once again. But Roman Reigns says, let's up the ante a little bit. Since you have a dog food fetish, he calls him fetish boy. Let's up this to a loser eats dog food match. Crowd goes wild. And Ziggler and Bobbert are not happy about this. They're like, no, screw, screw you, dude. We're not doing this. Corbin, he, he's confident for some reason. And he says, yes, he agrees. So uh, much to the dismay of his tag team partners, Corbin agrees. And indeed, the main event is loser eats dog food. And uh, there's had to be some kind of planning gone into this because the Usos and Roman Reigns, they say they, they had a feeling this would happen, that he would accept this like an idiot. So they motion to the back and a man comes out, wheeling out this giant bowl of nasty dog. It's like a tray with a giant bowl of dog food and a bunch of dog food cans on it. He's got like a ladle or something he's stirring the dog food with. And he just spends the rest of the night on stage just chilling out with dog food. Uh, yeah, he was there all night. So 
I don't know why Corbin and the gang didn't just shove this card over, but so yeah, the main event scheduled for the night is the uh, six man tag match, but it's now a loser eats dog food match, which is basically going to be the blow off to this massive feud that's been going on. Why they didn't do this at the Royal Rumble, I don't know, but we're doing it here on Super SmackDown. Then we have a actually a really fun tag match. It was a fatal four-way tag team match where the winners would go on to face the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship at Super Showdown, which Super Showdown is uh, not Super SmackDown, but it is the basically the next Saudi show they're going to do. So nothing I care about. So they had this match, but it, it, like I said, it's a lot of fun. It basically like started... Uh, Greg made a leak and Morrison had a really cool exchange in the beginning. Metalik hit him with a Hurricane Rana to the floor. Gerardo then took out Revival with a flying crossbody, attempted another dive on Revival, but they caught him and threw him into the post. We go to a commercial break, or actually right before the break, sorry. Miz and uh, Morrison, they had control of Metalik. They jumped over the top rope, or no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm totally screwing up my notes here. So, first of all, I have Miz as Mix. So, that is definitely not right. Uh, not Morrison and Mix. Morrison and Miz, they, they had control, basically, until Metal League jumped over the top rope. He hit a Hurricane Rana uh, on the apron, sent basically them flying into everybody. So, they hit Heavy Machinery, the Revival. Just chaos ensues, basically. And then we go to commercial break. Uh, once we get back from the break, uh, Miz and Morrison, not Mix and Morrison, they were going at it with the Lucha House Party until Otis gets the hot tag. And you know my boy Otis, he ran wild on everybody. He uh, hit Miz and Morrison with a double clothesline. Morrison got up and gave him some punches, but of course he just started shaking and jiggling and doing his thing. Then he hits Miz and Morrison with a double cattle, caterpillar, gets a near fall. The Revival and Lucha House Party get into it. Gerardo tries to hit three moonsaults onto Dawson, hits the first from the bottom rope. The second from the middle rope. It goes for the third, but Dash is able. Dash comes in, prevents the third one from happening. Revival hits Metalik with a superplex splash combo. Uh, Miz is able to catch Dawson, though, with a skull-crushing finale. That allows Morrison to hit the Starship Pain. And your winners going on, going on to face the new day at the Super Showdown is Miz and Morrison. Now, I like this. I think Miz and Morrison are a good tag team. Obviously, they have something going on with New Day, so this makes all the sense in the world. I'm all for them having this tagging title match. But part of me is a little disappointed that after all these years, Morrison went on the indies. He sharpened his craft. He got better. Comes all the way back to WWE. I mean, we saw what happened to Drew McIntyre. Came back and won the Rumble, and now he's headlining WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. But no, Miz has got to pay his dues again, I guess. So he's back to the bottom tag teaming with the Miz. So it's good for now, but if he's still tagging with Miz six months from now, I'm going to be kind of upset. Basically after this, we go to the back. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville approach heavy machinery. Rose then thanks Otis for helping her out of the Royal Rumble. He tried to help her win. So Otis, you know, appreciates it, but Tucker kind of eggs him on. He's like, come on, man, you got it. We talked about this. You got to do it. You got to do it. So, Otis kind of builds up the curse. He's like, eh, Mandy, eh, will you, eh, Tucky, eh. Just 
fidgeting all kinds of different ways Otis does. Basically, he builds up the courage and he asks out Mandy Rose on a date for next Friday. But alas, the fans cheer and Mandy even seems shocked, which I'm, you know, pretty sure she's the only person who in the world who is shocked that somebody asked her out. But she's shocked, but she breaks Otis's heart. She says she's busy next Friday. The fans boo. They're unhappy. However, Mandy quickly follows up. She says, I'm not there. I can't, you know, I can't go out with you this Friday or next Friday. But the following Friday, I'm available. The fans erupt with cheers. Otis is stunned. His eyes grow as wide as they possibly can. <laughs> Tucker does the math in his head and he tells Otis, dude, that's on Valentine's Day. You got a date with Mandy Rose on Valentine's Day. Otis is stunned. He doesn't know what to do. He just stands there staring off into space. And Mandy says they have a match, so they go to leave. Otis is obviously the happiest man on the planet. So indeed, not this coming Friday, but on Valentine's Day, Otis gets his date with Mandy Rose. So looking forward to that. After that, we got a recap of Brian versus Wyatt from the Royal Rumble strap match. Uh, they actually do something that I wish they would have done a long time ago and they need to do more of. They show a clip from their YouTube channel that they did like after the Rumble show. Uh, they do a lot of these candid interviews that are like much more relaxed. They're obviously not these stupid scripts they write for everybody. And they usually turn out to be some of the best content that they put out there, but nobody ever sees them. Well, they actually put this one on TV. It's Brian backstage after the Rumble talking about he has all these gruesome welts on his back from the strap getting beat by the fiend. He even goes to show his daughter because he said it's usually I'll get a bruise or something and I'll go show her daddy's boo-boos and she, you know, takes a look at him. But this time Bree had to stop him and say, no, honey, it's, it's too much. You can't show our daughter. So Brian definitely showing the, the scars from uh, the Wyatt fiend match that he had. So uh, they actually weren't on the show this week neither Bray Wyatt or Daniel Bryan other than this package. So next week, I think we'll see more of that. WWE comes in infringing on our gimmick with a, this day in wrestling history showing footage of the rock versus mankind in a halftime heat, empty arena match from the 1999 Super Bowl halftime special that they had. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's definitely very entertaining. You should go find it uh, on the network or on YouTube, wherever you want to find it. But basically, uh, during the 1999 1999 Super Bowl, there's a lot of nines in there. We had a halftime heat match between the Rock and Mankind where the in, the arena was completely empty that they were in. And they just had a match. They fought all throughout the arena, used a bunch of props. I think a forklift was huge. Popcorn was thrown everywhere. It was just insanity. Mankind had this big bandage on his head. So it was just crazy. Uh, they basically did it during the halftime of the Super Bowl to kind of get people away from the regular halftime show. It was a neat gimmick. I'm surprised they haven't done it in a long time, but um, yeah. So go watch it if you, if you want to, it's definitely entertaining, but uh, they definitely, we might be sending WWE a letter pretty soon if they keep taking our gimmicks. So basically after this, we had bliss cross applesauce versus fire and desire. We obviously got a recap of Otis helping out Mandy at the rumble. Also showing Sonya getting both of them eliminated in the end. So they all get in the ring. Fire and Desire basically jump the faces to start the match. So they're going back to being heels again. 
I guess they're not ever going to turn them. They're just nice to Otis, but mean to everybody else. So the heels basically isolate Alexa Bliss for most of the match. Uh, they slow down the pace. Most of it's uh, Sonya beating on Alexa. Bliss finally manages to get the hot tag to Nikki, who runs in, goes wild on Rose and Deville. The finish basically came when uh, Nikki just got up and hit Mandy with her twisted neckbreaker, followed up with Alexa hitting the twisted Bliss and got the pinfall. Michael Cole did note, like at the very beginning of this match, that the winner of this match might possibly get a shot at the Women's Tag Team Championships. And I was like, oh yeah, those actually exist. Who would have known? Because the belts are just forgotten. Asuka and Kyrie Sane, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm surprised they even wear them anymore. They're on Raw doing their own thing. Uh, these two teams have fought in some shape or form for like the last two months. And I don't think either of them are close closer to a tag team title shot, maybe after this win, but... I was kind of perplexed here. I had no idea why Alexa and Nikki won. I mean, I'm glad because I like Alexa. I like Nikki. But, I mean, Mandy's got the hot storyline that's going on SmackDown here. So, I'm assuming it's because Otis wasn't out there. Maybe that's going to be the story where Otis has to be out there to help them win. I don't know. But Mandy just got straight up beat here. So, maybe Bliss Cross Applesauce will get the tag team title shot at some point. Who knows? No idea. We have the dog food chef still on the stage. He's like pouring full cans. Like if you've ever fed a dog canned dog food, you open it up and you're like shaking it, trying to get it all out. It doesn't normally, unless it's like the meaty kind that has like beans in it and stuff or peas, that usually all comes out and you got to like scoop it out a little bit. But most of the time, it's just like the ground up stuff. So you have to shake the can and it just comes out like a, the same shape as the can basically. And it slowly oozes out. That's basically what this guy's doing. He's just oozing this dog food out of this can and throwing it into this giant bowl and just mixing it with his ladle. Just disgusting. <laughs> but he's out there the whole show. After this, we have Braun Strowman versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Finally, Braun is getting his intercontinental title match after weeks of beating up this geek Nakamura. I also like to point out Nakamura. I forget how long he had this belt. Uh, I believe Micah said it at some point in our, our group, but he, he's had it for several hundred days and he's only defended the belt three times. So, and he, he got a new belt design. That's cool, I guess. But basically he's done nothing with his belt. So I don't know why Strowman hasn't beat him for it like a month ago. Michael Cole also points out at the beginning of the match that Strowman has yet to win a singles title. So, this basically means he's about to win his first singles title. Strowman came out like he normally does. He controls the match early and, of course, runs straight into his arch nemesis once again, that dreaded turnbuckle. So basically it's a four-on-one match now with Zayn, Cesaro, and the turnbuckle in support of Shinsuke. Nakamura basically keeps controlling Strowman, slows the match down, hits him with a big clothesline. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Nakamura basically just slows the match down until Strowman is able to get up and hits him with a big clothesline and then rocks him again. Of course, going on the outside and running the train on Nakamura again on the floor. Strowman then gets in and attempts a power slam, but Nakamura is able to wiggle out and hits him with a knee for a near fall. The heels just don't think they can win, you know, either way, like after, especially after that knee. So Cesaro basically 
or Zayn devises a plan, gets Cesaro to jump on the apron and distract the ref, while Sammy jumps up and starts exposing the turnbuckle. Nakamura, Nakamura tries to use it on Strowman, but instead Strowman counters, throws Nakamura into the turnbuckle, picks him up, hits the running power slam, and gets his first singles title win. Strowman is your new Intercontinental Champion. It sure took him long enough. But they tried to make this seem like as big a deal as they could. Strowman gets the belt. He's celebrating like crazy. He's going on the crowd. He's slapping people's hands, kissing babies. He's doing the whole thing. Uh, but even <laughs> my girlfriend, who's known, she knows nothing about wrestling. We've you know talked about her many times before on the show. She was watching with me at this point, and she was like, she could just tell this was BS. She's like, oh, yeah, they're trying to make a big deal about it. So, yeah, it was not a big deal just because the Intercontinental title is what it is. So, sorry, Strowman, but until you win that big WWE Championship or Universal title, it's not going to be the same. So, after the match, basically, Zayn, Cesaro, and Nakamura all go to the back. They're pissed off. They, uh, I think it was Charlie tried to get an interview with him. Or, no, it was some new girl. I can't even remember her name, but it was it was new girl that was there. She tries to get an interview with Zayn. Zayn starts to, he says, well, I guess you're new, so you don't know things how things go around here. He starts to go on a rant, and he's interrupted by a guitar strum. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Elias is clearly about to walk into frame and you know, talk trash or sing a song about Sammy. But no, he's standing in the ring. So Zayn is not out by ringside. He is not in the ring. He is in the back. In the bowels of this building, doing an interview, and he's interrupted by a guitar strum. So Sami Zayn is perplexed. He's frustrated. I don't know why. I don't know why he just didn't go on with the interview and ignore this geek playing the, t- the guitar. But whatever. Basically, this is a go. They go back and forth. Elias just fakes like he's going to let him talk. Sami starts to talk, and Elias interrupts him again. It, eventually, they do this several times, trying to be funny. It was pretty dumb. It ends with Cesaro, you know, basically done with this. And Zayn tells him to go deal with Elias. So Cesaro's like, okay. He, he walks off screen. <laughs> Elias acknowledges that Cesaro is probably on his way to interrupt the song, but he's going to try it anyway. He plays the first couple chords. And as soon as he starts to sing, of course, Cesaro's music hits. I don't know why he even bothered trying to get to the song out because it was obvious it wasn't going to happen. Cesaro runs out. The two go at it. They go back and forth, but Elias gets the better of it in the end. Since Cesaro packing. Yeah, it happened. Uh, not very good. Then we get Michael Cole and Corey Graves talking about Corey's garbage podcast. Uh, he interviewed Ronda Rousey or something. But Corey Graves is a horrible human being, so who cares? I'm not going to talk about it anymore. So after this, we have Shorty G versus Sheamus. Uh, not not a whole lot better than talking about Corey Graves in this podcast, because this is a, basically just a Royal Rumble rematch. Uh, no idea why they're doing this. Sheamus clearly beat Shorty G at the Royal Rumble, so who knows why they're doing this. Uh, we basically get a recap of the entire feud, which we had at the Royal Rumble. Sheamus makes his way to the ring, but he gets jumped from behind by the the underdog hero, Shorty G. What 
a dweeb. So basically, after the commercial break, we come back, and Sheamus is just killing this dweeb, Shorty G. He basically just dominates in the whole match. Shorty gets, you know, he fights back. It's a couple comeback spawns. Uh, it's pretty much pointless. Sheamus basically, at the end of the match, hits the Irish curse backbreaker, then hits the bro kick, picks up the win. I mean, this match wasn't horrible. It happened. I don't know. It was pointless for sure. Completely pointless. And it made Shorty G look even more like a loser because he's the he's the good guy of this feud. He's supposed to be a positive influence on people who are short or who are disenfranchised or I don't know what. But he comes out and cheap shots his opponent to try to get an advantage because he can't beat him by himself as proof of the Royal Rumble match. And he still goes out there and loses clean as a sheet to this man. What an inspiration. What a loser. So after this, Bailey comes out, makes her way down to the ring. Basically, she just brags about retaining her title over Lacey Evans at the Rumble. Lacey also does not make an appearance on the show. So basically, she's, I guess, distraught after losing uh, all that, you know, talk about her dad being addicted to drugs and whatnot and being a mom and a military vet didn't help her win this title. So Bailey relishes in all of that. Uh, the fans give her the what treatment, uh, which she actually plays along with a little bit. Uh, she goes on to say that she got revenge for Sasha uh, getting injured by Lacey. Uh, basically brags on beating Evans in front of her daughter. And she knows that Charlotte's going to come out here and challenge her for WrestleMania for her belt. So she just invites her to come on out and do it. But instead, the returning Naomi answers the call. Makes her triumphant return to SmackDown after her non-DUI arrest and suspension or rehab or whatever they had to do that totally wasn't her fault. But she's back. Obviously, she came back at the Royal Rumble, had an impressive showing. Uh, she comes out with some dead mouse type headgear on, which was pretty cool, but I was like, she didn't do this at the Rumble, so I don't she probably should have. Uh, it was strange though, but still kind of cool. So yeah, I'll dig it. I'm digging it. Uh, she takes it off when she gets in the ring, but basically it's quick to say that Bailey's never beaten her and she wants to challenge her for her belt. Uh, I'm guessing they're building up to a program towards WrestleMania, maybe between these two. I, I'm down with it. Um, I'm sure Sasha will get involved at some point, maybe Lacey as well. Bailey basically gets mad, jumps Naomi, tries to hit her with her belt, but Naomi's smart. She doesn't get beat up like Lacey does and has to come back and take advantage of a dumb Bailey later on. She actually ducks the shot. Hits Bailey with a kick and sends her packing. Naomi stands tall here. So, yeah, we're getting started with a program between these two. I'm all for it. Uh, I like Naomi. Uh, she's pretty sweet. Uh, my girlfriend was still watching at this point of the show. She was digging Naomi as well. So, definitely, Naomi has got people on both sides of the fence cheering for her. So, that's good. So, then we have the main event of the evening. The loser eats dog food match. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns and the Usos, uh, the Bloodline, I believe is their tag team name, versus King Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and Bobber Roode. Uh, the Kingdom? Uh, I don't know what their name is. I don't think they have a name. So the dog food gets brought to ringside. The chef or whoever is cooking this, he, he brings a giant bowl in the ladle, sits next to the announcers. 
I'm sure this was a very wretched smell that the announcer was having to put up with this entire time, but you know what? I hope it gives them a taste of how I feel every week having to listen to them. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it, Michael Cole, because that's basically what's happening in my ears each week when you talk. The heels basically got control early in the match. Rude pulled down the top rope, gave Jay a spine buster on the outside onto the floor. The heels are basically in control after we take a commercial break. They kind of use their tactics, the same ones they used last week, tried to isolate one person, taking out the other members. Obviously, it wasn't a two-on-one situation, so there were still other people involved, but Corbin's able to take Reigns off the apron. It proved to be not as effective, though, because Reigns was able to get back up. He got the hot tag, starts running wild, wild on everybody. Hits Corbin with a big boot, uh, hits a Superman punch, or actually sets up for the Superman punch. Ziggler ends up making the save. Corbin then hits a choke slam on Reigns for a near fall, a deep six soon after, a very close two count after that as well, but wasn't able to put him away. The Usos then come in. They both hit suicide dives, taking out Rude and Ziggler and trapping them under, under the announce table. And then it's down to Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. And Reigns rolls up Corbin, pins him, and wins the match. So indeed... The King Corbin, the dastardly King Corbin, is getting his comeuppance. He's having to eat dog food. He tries to run after the match, but the Usos catch him, put him in handcuffs, just as he did Roman Reigns several months ago, or several weeks ago. Uh, He still tries to get out of there, but Roman hits him with a spear. They tie him to the ring post. They grab the dog food, and they sling it all over him, pour it all over him. It's everywhere. Just super gross. It couldn't have smelled pretty well. I'm sure the fans at ringside were just vomiting. Uh, the baby faces just posed for pictures at the end. Corbin's just yelling and he's humiliated, but I'm sure these photos will be posted on his dog food fetish website at some point in the near future. But I'm assuming this is the end of the road, the end of the story. Roman Reigns and the Usos get their revenge on King Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and Bobbert Roode. Uh, I thought it was a great blow-off match. It was you know, entertaining. It was, it was a fine, it wasn't like, you know, an amazing match, but it was good. It was, it was a good, it, good way to end this. Um, I thought we had two really fun matches on the show. I mean, this main event, like it was a good blow off match, as I said, and then we had the fatal four way tag match, which was awesome. Uh, a couple, you know, the, the women's tag match was not, you know, too much to write home on. Obviously, Shorty G Sheamus was dumb. Uh, Braun Strowman winning the belt was kind of cool, even though the match was okay. It wasn't great. So all in all, a good show. I'll give the show a B. It wasn't the best. It definitely wasn't super, but I thought it had, you know, some good stuff on the show, had Otis and Mandy. Um, but they also had some stuff on here that wasn't, just didn't really amount to anything. Um, I'll give it a, I'll give it a B. Ranging right on a B plus, like it was a good show, enjoyable show, but not super. So false advertisement, WWE once again. So that was on Friday's night SmackDown. So leading up to Monday Night Raw, this actually took place in Salt Lake City, Utah, this week. Apparently, there was a giant snowstorm, uh, and a lot of people couldn't come to the arena. They had like half the arena closed closed off. But hey, the few people that turned up to the show. They were a rowdy bunch because they they really helped the show out. They they were into this entire match. 
one of the best crowds Raw's had in a long time. They just helped the show out tremendously. And you basically got a good sense of that because the show starts with Orton coming out. Obviously, they got a long recap of his attack on Edge last weekend. Edge obviously making his return to Raw after coming back from the Royal Rumble. He uh, came back his first first night on Raw, uh, and Orton jumps him, uh, betrays him, hits the one-person concerto, you know, puts Edge out. He had to get carried on a stretcher. So we got that whole recap. The announcers were here appalled by Orton's actions last week. Tom Phillips even informs us that Edge was at home recovering and awaiting some test results, probably about his neck that he had surgery on. Orton comes out and is just massively booed by this crowd. They're booing him out of the building. They're giving him you suck chance. They don't care about this guy one bit. Orton just took his sweet time getting in the ring, was just milking it for all it was worth. He didn't say a word until about 10 minutes into the show. So, I mean, just dragging this thing out. But hey, the crowd was booing him like crazy the entire time. Every time he tried to speak, they just drowned him out with boos. He couldn't get a word in. So ultimately, I think this was like a 14-minute segment to start the show. Orton just gave up. He put the mic down and said, I can't do this. It left. <laughs> so he didn't do anything. I mean, it was great because the crowd hated him. They treated him like the villain he was. It was fantastic. But my God, he took forever and it amounted to nothing. Orton didn't say anything. He didn't address what happened. So we'll have to get answers next week. But, I mean, it was it was entertaining because this crowd was so into it. I mean, obviously, if they were dead and they'd done this, it would have been just complete death. They probably lost half the audience to start the show. But the crowd made this segment. So it's going to be a theme throughout the show. Uh, we actually got a replay here of McIntyre eliminating Lesnar from the Rumble again. Uh, then a triple threat was announced for later in the night. Ricochet versus Rollins versus Lashley to determine who would go on to face Lesnar for the title at Super Showdown. So, in fact, we have a match between Lesnar and somebody in between McIntyre and WrestleMania. Will Lesnar lose his belt at Super Showdown to one of these three men? Uh, probably not. So, next we have Liv Morgan versus Lana. Again, for some reason. Uh, Lashley and Rusev were not involved in this at all. I don't know why they did this. Actually, I do know why they did this, but the match in itself was pointless. Morgan basically shoved Lana down. Lana faked an injury. She baited Liv in, but it really didn't matter. Liv didn't really stay down long. She recovered. She hit her flatliner off the ropes. Uh, it looked horrible because Lana just kind of stumbled to the ground. Liv picks up the win here. Fine. Basically, all this was for. After Liv wins, she's standing in the ring celebrating. Lana's all distraught. And Ruby Riot's music hits, making her big return. Not at the Rumble, for whatever reason, but makes her return here. Liv is just delighted to see her. They are best friends in the Riot squad. I mean, I don't know what she's thinking because she's already won the match. So Riot's obviously not coming out to save her. So she's just coming out for some reason. And basically we find out what the reason is because the crowd is chanting for Ruby as she gets into the ring. And then she immediately proceeds to attack Liv. Just starts beating the crap out of her. She gives uh, Liv a clothesline from behind. Uh, basically leaves her for Lana to pick up the scraps. Lana gives Morgan an X-Factor. So Lana's happy in the end. 
Uh, Ruby's the dastardly heel, turning on her her friend, betraying her. Liv is on the mat, basically in tears over this betrayal. So I'm hoping that Lana and Liv are done with. Lana will just go back to Lashley. Uh, I don't know what Rusev doing because he had no part in this. And I'm guessing it's just going to be Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, which, hey, I'm cool with that. Maybe get uh, Sarah Logan involved because she's done being Charlotte's, you know, jobber for now. So, hey, get them all involved. Get a triple threat match going. Who knows? So after this, we have Drew McIntyre versus Mojo Rawley with Riddick Moss. I guess, is this Riddick? See, I'm not watching Raw regularly anymore. I catch up on highlights because Matt usually does it as I'm watching SmackDown. Uh, I don't know. Did Riddick Moss make his debut already? Or was this his debut? I'm not sure. Who cares? Because he didn't do anything in the segment. Basically what happened was (laughs) uh, they came out. I also want to point out this was not for Mojo's 24-7 title match. I feel like I need to make that clear right off the bat. Uh, It's an important fact that cannot be glossed over when I'm talking about this match. So you must know this is indeed not for the 24-7 title. No, Drew is not going to win this belt here and put it up against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. No, he's not going to win it and have a fear looming over his shoulder as he's going to WrestleMania. Will somebody else beat him or injure him to win this title? No, basically he doesn't care. Speaking of not caring, McIntyre comes out and just starts cutting a promo. He thinks the fans were coming out for fighting the blizzard. They love him. He Mojo's just standing there. He warns him though. Hey buddy, I'm going to kick your head off whenever I'm done with this. So, Hey, at least he warned him and he, he let him know it was coming. So he didn't have to waste his time. Like, you know, he, I mean, McIntyre just could have come out and cut a promo and Mojo could have just stood there the entire time and not known he was going to get his head kicked off. He could have been like, what am I doing here? But he knows, so he got to sit there and wait for it. Basically, Drew addresses attacking Lesnar, or sorry, Lesnar attacking him from behind uh, last week, uh, saying Lesnar clearly apprehensive of the sexy Scotsman. But he says he's bigger and faster than Lesnar, and not many men can say that and come even close to being believable. But Drew McIntyre can. This dude is freaking huge. So he says he's bigger and stronger than Lesnar, but says he's got one differentiator, and that's Claymore kick. That's a secret weapon. Clearly it worked because he kicked Lesnar's head off and knocked him out of the Royal Rumble. So he says that's his secret weapon. He says he's going to kick off Lesnar's oversized head at WrestleMania and win the WWE Championship. And suddenly he remembers, oh yeah, Mojo Rawley's here. <laughs> so he says, go ahead and start the match, ref. The ref starts the match. Then Drew just proceeds to Claymore kick him right in the head, kicks his head off, wins in seven seconds, faster than the Kofi Lesnar match. Uh, poor Mojo, because it was just a squash match. Uh, but hey, the crowd, this crowd, once again, was really into Drew McIntyre. So in the end, it's still a win. And this probably would have died on some other show. Uh, I mean, Drew's pretty popular, so maybe not just him dying, but the match obviously was nothing. So, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been as much, but this crowd was into it. So they put it over, made it, made it seem bigger than it actually was. After this, we have Charlie interviewing Murphy and AOP. Uh, they spoke a little bit, but then Rollins shows up 
encourages them to go get ready for their upcoming match. And uh, Rollins says he'll take it from here. Basically reminds us that he's beat Lesnar twice. Says that McIntyre should start preparing for the midnight or midnight, the Monday night Messiah. Says he beat Lesnar twice. He'll do it again. Then we get AOP and Buddy Murphy coming out for a six-man elimination tag match with Seth Rollins by their side versus Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders. Uh, they mentioned that about Samoa Joe making a sacrifice last week, though he made a he did a suicide dive, which is a sacrifice, but he hit his head and got legitimately concussed. And they ended up losing the match. So I'm not really sure how that's a sacrifice. But whatever you want to say, announcers. Say whatever you want. Who cares? Uh, This match went for a long time. It went like 20 minutes plus. Uh, But we went to commercial break 49 seconds into the match. I think they knew it was going to be a long match. So they just went straight to commercial. I don't know why they couldn't do it beforehand. But whatever. Basically, we come back. Ivar takes out Razor with a dive. Eric nails Akum with a dive. I'm sitting here writing these notes, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, these crazy, stupid WWE names. Ivar, Razor, Eric, and Akum, Akum, whatever. Basically, Ivar misses a charge, crashes into the video board on the other side of the ring. Rollins gets Eric curb stomp, and then Murphy's able to pin Eric, eliminating him. And then after that, Owens has to go out and check on Ivar, who is hurt uh, from running into the board. The refs get out and check on him. Uh, They're all attending to him. He ends up having to get taken to the back from a shoulder injury. So he is like also immediately eliminated. So Owens is left out there by himself as we go to another commercial break. It's Owens versus AOP and Murphy with Seth Rollins on the outside. So definitely has odds stacked against him. And if he's anything like Braun Strowman, he's got to worry about those four turnbuckles too. So just not working in his favor. We come back from the break. The heels are basically working over Owens, as you would expect. He does try to make some comebacks, but they just keep cutting him off. He can't get anything going. Finally, he's able to knock both the AOP members off the apron. He starts, you know, coming back. He starts going wild. He hits a cannonball on Occam. He, uh... He hits Razor. He sends him into the steps. Uh, then basically, it uh, left it to Owens and Murphy in the middle of the ring. Uh, they had a good exchange, but ultimately Owens is able to hit the pop-up powerbomb. Eliminates Murphy, so it's down to AOP versus Owens. Akam attacks Owens shortly thereafter. But then out of nowhere, he hits him with a stunner about a minute later. Eliminates him. So another quick elimination. It's down to just Owens. And Razor just like that. So it's a one-on-one, but Seth Rollins is still on the outside. Razor charges Owens, but misses. Owens follows up with some super kicks, a cannonball, a senton, basically everything rolling in his way. But what happens? Rollins hops up on the apron. Owens chases him like a dope. This allows Razor to catch him with a clothesline. It's consecutive spine busters and picks up the win. So AOP and Murphy... Get the win here. The heels get the victory. Owens falls short again. The crowd was behind Owens during the match. He had some good comebacks. It wasn't a bad match, but it's just another victim falling of the another victim of the dumb babyface syndrome that happens all the time in WWE. And it's just so frustrating because the finish just felt flat. 
they had this awesome crowd. Owens had some awesome comebacks. They're getting into it. And then the finish just falls flat like this. Just a dumb finish. Whatever. Good match, horrible finish. It's also going to be a theme, by the way. Basically, in the back, we have Ricochet still wearing his stupid real-life superhero shirt. Gets an interview from Charlie and tells her that the WWE Championship is his dream. And he wants to prove that he's one of the best. Says he isn't as big as strong or as big or strong as Lashley. He doesn't have a crew like Rollins, but tonight it means everything to him. Uh, this was not a good interview. Ricochet needs to, I don't know if he's having people write these interviews, if he's having to deliver the script. I don't know what it is, but he needs to do something different because it's not working. Not a good promo. Uh, after this, we have Aleister Black versus Eric Rowan. Not, I'm sorry, not Eric Rowan, Eric Young. Basically just a quick squash match. Uh, Black hits a series of strikes, kills Eric Young. I think he busted his nose at some point. Hits a Black Mass, just kills him. And then Black cuts a weird promo afterwards. He says, people should be whatever they want to be or choose what they want to be. Uh, and when he's done making his way through the Raw roster, uh, they would all know they were defeated by a person who was told he could do whatever he wanted or he could be whatever he wanted to be. Just very confusing, like very wordy. Again, I don't know who writes this crap, but it's not good. Nobody talks like this. It's it's just confusing. It and yeah, this this badass like Alistair Black does not need to be saying stuff like this. So this be whatever you want to be. Just go out there and kick some dudes' heads off. Do what Drew McIntyre's doing. He he, go, he went on there, cut a promo, said, I'm gonna kick Brock Lesnar's head off at WrestleMania. And then I'm going to kick this dude's head off in front of me. Did it in seven seconds and got out of there. Aleister Black basically just kicked Eric Rowan or Eric, Eric Young's head off and then just cut this crappy promo. So at least he's not in a room by himself anymore, I guess. Anyway, after this, we got a replay of last week. Umberto Carrillo killing Andrade. Obviously, Andrade is out. If you don't know, uh, he had a wellness policy violation. So he's suspended for 30 days. I actually usually strip people of their titles and make an announcement uh, like formally when they do this. But Paul Heyman, he wanted Andrade to keep the title. So he uh, did this injury angle. So that's what really happened. But they told us that Andrade is injured and indefinitely out after the injury. Uh, So that's how WWE is going to explain it. Uh, Just pretending he's just injured and ignoring that he had a wellness violation, whatever. They usually don't do that, but I guess lately they have been. So we get Umberto Carrillo versus uh, Angel Garza, which I don't know. I guess this is his debut. He's been on 205 Live. Obviously, he's been on NXT. He's actually been doing really great in NXT. He's been getting over. He played a heel, but he's really been getting over as a babyface because he's done such a great job. And it seemingly taking a babyface turn like you know one of his last shows on NXT because he proposed to his real life girlfriend on TV which was awesome but here he is on Raw playing heel again uh, and I, th- I think this is his debut Selena Vega's by his side uh, I guess she found somebody to replace Andrade pretty quickly so uh, basically this is supposed to be a match but it doesn't even happen because Vega explains that Garza isn't just a hired gun he's also Umberto's cousin which the announcers even pointed out. 
Uh, Garza called out Carrillo's actions last week as a disgrace. Carrillo snatched the mic. Crowd started chanting C for him. They were getting behind him, which was great to see. He started yelling at him, but Vega slapped him, and then Garza attacked him. Vega got on the outside and removed the black mats, just as Carrillo did to Andrade last week. She removes the black mats. Garza starts to set him up for a DT, but Rey Mysterio runs out, makes a save. The refs end up checking on Carrillo, and that sets up Angel Garza versus Rey Mysterio for our next match. So basically, it's supposed to be Humberto versus Angel. The match didn't happen, so Ray took his place. Uh, basically, Ray was in control the early part of this match uh, until Garza. If you don't know, his gimmick is he wears pants at the first part of the match, and then he rips off his pants, and then he starts getting good. <laughs> so him, that's that's how he really became a babyface in NXT. He would wrestle, and then he'd rip off his pants, and everybody would cheer. So. Uh, he ripped off his pants, basically started getting some offense in. He threw him at Ray for the distraction, which was a great strat. We got a commercial break. Uh, Garza's in control, but Ray actually managed to come back. He hits the ropes, uh, but Garza grabs his leg and hits a knee strike for a near fall. Ray then gets him with a Canadian destroyer and then goes for a 619, but Vega pulls Garza out of the way. Ray then dives on Gar- Garza on the outside, but Vega yells at him. And once again, we get the dumb babyface distraction syndrome. He gets distracted by Vega yelling at him. Garza is able to hit him with a super kick, launches him into the barricade, and then gives him a DDT on the concrete. The ref calls for the bell. Yeah, I don't think they officially announced the DQ, but they threw the match out. Uh, I guess similar to the Hell in a Cell, Fiend, Seth Rollins situation. He killed Rey Mysterio, so the match is over. So the officials check on Ray as Garz is left smiling. The crowd boos him out of the building. Just a great debut here. I think he's going to greatly benefit from Andrade being out. He's kind of taking his place here. Uh, and he, he did great in this role. I thought he did an awesome job. So, uh, yeah, he's obviously going to feud with Ray and Umberto going forward. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, one thing Raw is doing better than SmackDown right now, uh, they, they put on some better shows. They've been a lot better maybe. With the XFL ramping up, Paul Heyman's had a little bit, little bit more control of what's going on. It seems to be stuff's happening a little bit more sen- sensible. But he's really pushing these young talent guys, which is, you know, what Heyman's done in the past. Now, obviously, Vince comes in, and if they don't get over in like a month, like gangbusters, he puts them back down the bottom. I mean, see Cedric Alexandro, see Mustafa Ali, see Shorty G. But, I mean, Umberto's stuck around, I guess. Um, Ricochet's there. So uh, maybe, I mean, Garza could still do something. Heyman's pushing these guys, these young guys, and it's going to pay dividends in the end because you need some people to emerge as stars to, you know, to go down the road later. You're going to need them. So that's one thing SmackDown is not doing as well as Raw. SmackDown's 10, I mean, I enjoy it, but it's really just been the same players lately and it's all the main event players. It's all the... You know, the people want to tune in on Fox to see that they are in the intro every week. It's not the young guys like Garza and Umberto and Ricochet and those type of players. It's just the same same guys. So funny how Heyman back in the day was on the good SmackDown show that was, you know, close to beating, you know, Raw, definitely beating them in quality standards back in the day because Heyman was pushing guys new like Eddie Guerrero and Edge 
who hadn't got the same push before and look what happened to them. So it's good news for people like Garza and Umberto that Heyman's behind them. Uh, obviously Buddy Murphy, Alexander Black. It's it's just really good to see these people in the main event. I just wish they would start, stop doing these stupid finishes and stop making the baby faces look like idiots. Make them look cool. Look look at Roman Reigns and the Usos on SmackDown. They they finally got their revenge. Like they don't look like idiots anymore. So anyway, moving on. After this, we have a Charlotte promo. Basically, she comes out. She comes in the ring, says that she's held the Raw Women's title many times, and she's beaten Becky. She's held the SmackDown Women's title many times, and she's beaten Bailey. So she's basically alluded to she has nothing left to prove. She doesn't really care who she challenges. The crowd just comes in and freight trains their way into this promo. Because <laughs> obviously it's leading to something, but the fans are all up in this business because they start chanting to, for Rhea Ripley to come out. Charlotte tries to defuse it and cut it off by saying, she, hey, she has love for NXT, but NXT also loves their queen. Basically saying she's the queen of NXT. And uh, basically, there's no surprise here. Rhea Ripley comes out and interrupts her. Uh, once again, the WWE camera crew and the producers ruin this moment because they have about 100 camera cuts. They take away any impact this entrance could have had. I was so furious watching this because Rhea came out and she posed and they had her name on the board, but there was so much flashing between the stupid audience. No, not actually. <laughs> sorry. They're stupid camera cuts to the audience. This audience was great, this show. So I'm not going to rag on them, but. Kevin Dunn, his stupid crowd cuts are dumb. They cut to Charlotte, too, to get her reaction. Like, save this stuff for the video package building up to the pay-per-view. If you're going to catch a moment, catch the moment. Put it on Rhea. Let her come out and do her pose and watch her walk to the ring. And then get Charlotte's reaction. It's not that hard. Basically, Rhea makes her way down the ring. She gets in there and says, Charlotte, you may have beaten Becky, you may have beaten Becky Lynch and beaten Bailey. You may have won the women's... Raw tag title or the women's tag title, not the tag title. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you may have won the women's title on Raw and the women's title on SmackDown, but there's one title you haven't won and there's one person you hadn't beat, and that's me. She says, In fact, I've actually beaten you. So Ripley basically offers Charlotte a shot at her belt at WrestleMania, the Queen versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. I'm all for it. The crowd's all for it. They're going crazy. Charlotte just smiles, and then she walks by Rhea and leaves. No reply from Charlotte. No, no answer. She just leaves Rhea hanging. The crowd boos, so we get no answer. Charlotte just leaves. Then we have Sarah Schreiber in the back. She wants to talk to Lashley about his battle plan for tonight. <laughs> she asked him if Lana's loss earlier is going to be a distraction. And I'm just sitting here thinking, why would it be? And basically, Lashley is thinking the same thing. He says, no. <laughs> that was Lana's match. Who cares? He says, we're going to have plenty to celebrate tonight after I beat Rollins and beat Ricochet, beat Lesnar at Super Showdown, and then beat McIntyre at WrestleMania for the, to keep this belt. Then we have Asuka versus Natalia after this. Natalia coming out, paying tribute to uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant. His daughter, Gigi Bryant, with a purple and yellow armband. R.I.P. Kobe, R.I.P. Gigi. Natalia comes out, basically starts his match in control, 
hits a sit down sit out power bomb on Oscar, goes for the sharpshooter, but Oscar's able to bail. Uh, we come back from a commercial break. Oscar's actually in control, but they at least tell us that she hit Natalia with a head kick, and that's how she got in control. She even uh, kicks her right in the jaw at one point, and they show a replay in slow mo. Poor Natalia get kicked in the face. Oscar tries a bunch of submissions. Natalia keeps countering them all. Uh, even turns a guillotine into a cool suplex. That was an awesome spot. I mean, it's Natalia versus Oscar. It's a great match. Natalia is able to uh, finally get a sharpshooter, but Oscar gets to the ropes. Sane then plays distraction, even though she wasn't really doing anything, but Natalia is distracted by her. Here we go again. Oscar is able to apply the Oscar lock by distracting Natalia. And for the third time on this one show, in this one week, we get three dumb baby face distraction syndromes. Again, a good match with a stupid ending. What is wrong with these baby faces where they get so distracted? I mean, I've said on the show before, I'm a big UFC fan. They fight in a cage. And there's people surrounding the ring. They got coaches yelling at them. They got announcers like Joe Rogan yelling at them. Dana White's by ringside. Celebrities. And then a crowd full of people. Even WWE is an arena full of people. What is Kyrie Sane doing that is distracting Natalia so much that she has to leave the, the match doing her job, what she does for a living, abandon that to go fool with this woman who's doing nothing? So just... Another, like I said, good match, dumb baby faces, horrible ending. That's the only equation you need to know. So the third time it happened on the show. After the match, Asuka calls out Bailey, basically demanding a rematch from Russ, for uh, Royal Rumble, sorry. Lynch then comes out. She's wearing the, uh, like the pixelated deal with it sunglasses. She's... Happy as can be. She's got all her confidence back after beating uh, Asuka at the Royal Rumble. So she's on cloud nine. Basically comes out and says she'd probably be risking a lot if she were to defend her title. Uh, duh. But she said, but the only thing that could be better than beating Asuka, and I'm just like, how about Manny Vinny at WrestleMania as the champion? But no, she says, what would be better than beating Asuka is beating her twice. So she accepts. I'm like, oh my God, whatever. Fine. I, I can see Stone Cold doing something like this, just wanting to, you know, kick ass or something. So maybe, you know, Lynch wants to do that. But, I mean, she got one win against Asuka. She was just the thorn in her side for the longest time. She She's definitely a threat. So, and think, I hope you know what you're doing, Becky. Basically, after she accepts, uh, accepts the offer. Sane tries to attack her from behind, but Lynch is able to toss her out. She stands up, stands tall in the end. I mean, Becky came off like a star as always in this. Uh, she had her sunglasses on. She had her mojo back. She was the man Becky Lynch again. So she wasn't this downtrodden, unconfident Becky. So that's a win in my book. Uh, but yeah, kind of dumb for putting your title on the line so soon, especially on a nothing raw next week, but whatever. After this, we actually get a SmackDown announcement announcing that Goldberg is going to be making an announcement on SmackDown this Friday. 
seemingly for something that's going to happen at Super Showdown. We'll wait and see. I was thinking it might be Brock because they, uh, you know, at some point they had talked about Brock being, you know, involved with something. And I'd heard Goldberg might be doing something. So I thought they might put those two together again. But as we see, we have this main event coming up that is going to settle this. Uh, so who's Goldberg going to face? Um, maybe The Undertaker again. Maybe uh, somebody on SmackDown. Maybe Roman Reigns. Maybe Braun Strowman. Who knows? We'll see on Friday. So just good announcing stuff coming, you know, on WWE programming, which they used to not do at all. They would just kind of make it up as they go. They're actually planning now. So good, positive stuff. They also announced Charlotte. She didn't say anything tonight, but says she's actually going to go to NXT on Wednesday and answer Rhea's challenge. So on Wednesday, Charlotte is going to come back to NXT. We'll see if that helps in the uh, Wednesday Night War against AEW. Uh, we'll see what happens. Then we also get the announcement that, in, fee- in fact, as we just saw, Lynch versus Asuka next week for the title. So three shows here. I'll get something plugged on them. Thumbs up. It's great. Keep plugging stuff like this. Let me know what's going to be on the show, and then I'll be much more likely to tune in. And don't change it on me. So if Goldberg doesn't show up on SmackDown this Friday, I'm going to be pissed. So then we have our main event of the evening. Our main event of the evening is Ricochet versus Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins, a triple threat match where the winner will go on to face Brock Lesnar uh, for the WWE Championship uh, championship opportunity at Super Showdown. Uh, before the match, Rollins basically comes out, cuts a promo, says he's going to dethrone Lesnar again. He said he's going to beat Lesnar again, but not for the people like he did last time. Basically said, last time I did it, and I defended the title, and you started booing me. So screw you guys. I'm not doing it for you this time. I'm doing it for the greater good. So early in the match, Ricochet gets wiped out. Uh, or Sorry, Ricochet wipes out Lashley and Rollins with dives. He goes to the top, but gets attacked by Murphy. Then AOP gets involved as well. They start attacking Bobby Lashley. This brings out Owens and the Viking Raiders. They come out to even the odds, end up brawling with the Viking Raiders and Murphy. Basically take them out of the picture, leading us to a commercial break. We come back, and it's just down to the three men, Lashley, Rollins, and Ricochet. Lashley's basically working on Rollins until Ricochet takes him down with a high cross. Tom Phillips actually comes out, reminds us that uh, Ricochet is actually assisted in eliminating Brock Lesnar via ball shot in the Royal Rumble. So, Because I was actually wondering, why is Ricochet even in this match? Uh, he's just been killed by Brock Lesnar lately. He's barely won any matches. I don't think he's won any as of late, really. So why is he even in this match? But Phillips actually tries to come out here and say that because he helped eliminate Lesnar in the Royal Rumble, he's in this match. So I guess that justifies it. Sure, why not? At least they gave us something. Basically, Lawler goes on to trash Ricochet, saying he looks like Lesnar's skeleton. There's no way he can have a shot against Lesnar at Super Showdown. Basically burying him the entire time. Basically paving the way for him to win this match because they're just trashing him. But can we stop killing the talent in the middle of the match? I mean, they're trying to get over with the, the crowd in the arena. Obviously, they can't hear the commentary, but I mean, the people at home hear this. There's millions of people watching at home, and they're hearing you tell, tell us this guy has no shot against Lesnar. He's a skeleton. Why not say he's the counter to Lesnar? 
He's quick. He's fast. Can Lesnar catch this guy? Is he going to be able to use his quickness to counter Lesnar's brute strength? Something. He's got to have a counter for this giant, this Frankenstein of a monster, Brock Lesnar. Don't say he's a skeleton. He has no shot. Whatever. So basically, Rollins hits a buckle bomb on Ricochet. Uh, but Ricochet comes back and hits Enziguri right away. Uh, all three men go up to the top rope. They start fighting around the turnbuckle. They hit a sloppy double superplex, which sends Roll- uh, Rollins on the outside from the impact. It actually allows Ricochet to be by himself with Lashley. He's able to hit a 630 splash on Lashley. Picks up the win here. So the man who has no shot against Lesnar now has a shot against Lesnar. I guess. According to Jerry Lawler, he has no shot, so who cares anyway? But now Ricochet will face Lesnar at Super Showdown. Oh, wait, just kidding. Lesnar runs out immediately, sprints to the ring, gives Ricochet F5 and kills him in front of everybody. (laughs) She's like, great. Can't let him celebrate. You have to bury him in the match. The Lesnar immediately comes out and kills the dude. I don't even know why they're giving him this shot. I mean, I I love Ricochet. He, he could be an amazing superstar. Not the best promo, but I mean, Ray, well, actually I can't, Ray as of late has done great on his promos. But back in the day, Ray wasn't the greatest, greatest promo either. But he was still the champion. He was still over. People loved him because of what he could do in the ring. And he won matches. Not Ricochet. So, I'll tell you what, this show had a lot of good moments. Obviously, the crowd helped us out a lot. I would actually give this a lower rating if it wasn't for the crowd. Because I would imagine a lot of these segments would be a lot lesser because this crowd made them so much better. Uh, like I said, there were a lot of dumb baby faces on the show. I had a lot of good matches, but they got soured by this crappy stuff. We had the squash matches that were fine. But I mean, Lana, Liv Morgan wasn't really anything. It had good stuff, but then it had bad stuff that towered it. I'm not going to give it a C because it was still a good show. But I can't I can't say it was better than SmackDown this week. Uh, the crowd definitely... So I don't think the show by itself was on par with SmackDown this week. But man, that crowd, like I said, they were amazing. They fought through the blizzard. They made the show what it was. They elevated the show... So I am going to give it a B, bordering on a B plus probably, just because the set crowd was so great. So it's right up there with SmackDown this week, in my opinion. Matt and Mike are not here to give their opinion, so who cares what they have to think? But that is wrong SmackDown for this week. Um, I will say, I was thinking really hard. So this week for the brass ring, I was thinking really hard. I really want to give it to this crowd. You know what? It's my it's my it's my gimmick here. I can do whatever I want. Matt's not here to stop me. Mike is not here to stop me. So screw them. Who cares? I'm giving out two brass rings this week. Actually, I'm gonna to have to give out a lot of brass rings because this crowd for this raw show was amazing. They made this show what it was. They were like half the crowd. They probably should have been because of this blizzard, but they came hyped up. They enjoyed this wrestling show in in uh, Utah. They were all for it. So I'm giving them a brass ring. They made the show that much better. Uh, I was gritting my teeth through these stupid, dumb, babyface parts. 
but they made me enjoy these segments a lot more. So they're getting a brass ring. And then I'm also giving one to Mr. Angel Garza because he came in in the midnight hour when Andre or Andre, <laughs> Andre and Andrade are both out. Neither of them are here. So Angel Garza comes in, takes his spot, basically is just inserted right into this program with Ray and Umberto seamlessly because he's come in and he's just now, and he's, they came in and said he's his cousin right away. So there's, there's family here. There's something going on that's interesting. Rarely do you see somebody come in with like no video package, just straight up cold debut. And the crowd helped him. His performance helped him. He's got a shot to be something. So I'm giving another brass ring to Angel Garza this week. I thought they did great. But as always, I have to give out a future endeavor as well. And my God, I should give it to all these crappy baby faces for their dumb losses that they picked up. But they still put on good matches, so I won't quite do that. I'll just rag on them for most of this Raw review. I have to this week give it to the one, the only, Shorty G. You know why? Because this dweeb, I think I've already given it to him before because he's been a dweeb before. Uh, I mean, he's Chad Gable. I love Chad Gable, but this is Shorty G. This is not Chad Gable. He, at the Royal Rumble, they tried to make him seem like he had a shot. They even gave him a little bit of time against Sheamus, but nobody even for once believed this guy was going to beat him. And he didn't. Sheamus beat him clean in the middle of the ring. So he gets a rematch. And though I'm glad WWE is not doing the 50-50 booking here, you couldn't just let this dude come out and nobly lose to Sheamus. You had to make him come out and try to do the heel move and attack this guy from behind. Gain an unfair advantage on Sheamus. I thought Shorty G was supposed to be an inspiration. Isn't the message, I'm short, but I could still fulfill my dreams. I could still win matches. I could still do this on my own despite my height disadvantage. Chad Gable was an Olympian. I don't care how big Sheamus is. I bet you if they were in a one-on-one wrestling match, catch wrestling match in the middle of the ring, Shorty G would probably sling this dude all over the place. Now, I wouldn't say it wouldn't be easy because Sheamus is a lot bigger than him. But Chad Gable knows what he's doing. Dude's a freaking Olympian. Kurt Angle, I mean, come on. He, he didn't win a gold medal, but he's an Olympian. You can never take that from the dude. Well, WWE's trying their best to take it from him because he's out here being Shorty G, attacking Sheamus from behind because he can't beat him on his own like a geek. And then he comes in here and loses anyway. So not only did he come out here and try to get a, a, an unfair advantage over Sheamus to try and make up for the size discrepancy, it doesn't matter anyway because he still sucks and he loses. So Shorty G, best of luck in your future endeavors, dude, because you're going to need it. You might get featured endeavor after this crap because, my God, this was – I mean, no fault of his own. He's doing what he's told, but, I mean – Shorty G's dead. I don't see how they could ever revive this guy. He's whatever. And to make it worse, actually, I just remembered. He's wearing black, gold, and purple. Obviously, he's been wearing this JV basketball costume that he's had to wear with a stupid gimmick. But this week, I think he uh, he wanted to honor Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant, much like Natalia did. 
And then Natalia made some stupid babyface mistake. She she nobly competed in this match with the mama mentality. So I think she honored Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant. Shorty G, you did not honor that. You tried to attack a man from behind for an unfair disadvantage instead of the mama mentality of doing what you needed to do and working hard to win on your own merit. Kobe Bryant never went out there and attacked players from behind or tied their shoelaces together or poked them in the eye. You might have delivered a couple elbows here and there, but all within the legal limits. So, no, you don't even honor Kobe Bryant, dude. So, best of luck in your future endeavors, Endeavor Shorty G. What a geek. So, good shows this week. Obviously, AEW is not getting reviewed because Micah is sick. I did not watch it. Uh, b- blame uh, Micah's beautiful wife, Riley, for uh, getting him sick, uh, as, as Micah said, because I'm going to rat him out here. Uh, she's got to take him down with, he, she has to take him down with her. <laughs> so, uh, but Hey, I hope both of you get better soon. I hope Matt gets better or whatever he's doing. Uh, he's doing D and D stuff again, probably like a geek. So we'll see you guys next week. Uh, once again, you can check us out on Facebook at Russell life radio on Twitter at Russell life pod. I believe I haven't done the social media announcements in a while. And this is off the top of my head. Uh, we're on Instagram at Russell Life Radio as well. You can check us out on um, any, basically any iTunes, Spotify, any radio uh, or podcast avenue you can find us on. Um, you could follow me at Kyle.Polly on Instagram. You could follow Matt at Russell Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, we'll be back to our, our regular show next week. Uh, I think Matt's going to have a show for us uh, this weekend as well. So uh, just stay tuned. Our normal shows are going to be out this week. Yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you guys later. See ya.